welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. How are we today? Good, good. Hey, I wanted to start this morning just by reading uh, one of the... One of the rare mornings, I'll say that. I don't want you to think like, oh gosh, if I could just be like the pastor. Uh. I was reading this morning from Psalm 27, one of the rare mornings where I got some time to do that. And uh, as I read it, I just thought I, I wanted to share it with you guys this morning as we, as we started. So this is from Psalm 27. It says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Then the psalmist goes on in verse 7 and says, Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. For you have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in your straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me. And I just love the way it ends. There's all these emotions in the Psalms where, you know, it's up and down and, you know, beat up my enemies. Uh, It seems as though the wicked are prospering and the righteous are not. And then it seems to always kind of resolve and come back to, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord and be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. I am still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This was uh, obviously Israel's hope, but I think it's still our hope that we would experience the life of God. Um, That's what I pray for for us. That's what I hope for. Um, So let me just open prayer as we begin this morning. If you would join me. God, we want to thank you for... In the midst of the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, um, the things that we can praise you for um, very easily and the things that it's really hard to praise you in the midst of. God, we want to just recognize that all of those things are the range of emotions that we experience and you don't filter them, you don't govern them, and you just let us feel and experience whatever it is that we, wherever we are. And so God, we come to you this morning from a lot of different places but it's my desire, it's our desire as a community, collectively. God, we want to say that you are God, uh, you are on the throne, you remain faithful, and we want to experience the life of God. We want to experience the life that you have for us. And so, God, I pray that you would meet us this morning in a special way. I pray that you would touch our souls, that you would reach deep down into the very depths of who we are, and we would hear, I love you. You are my son, you are my daughter. I have paid a price for you, and you are mine. I pray that we would know that to the very fiber of our being, God. And that out of that knowledge would just over, overflow with joy and praise. We're thankful for who you are, for calling us together to be a people for a purpose in the world. And so, God, we gather in that, in the spirit of that, and ask that you would be present among us. We pray in your name. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us? to see Mr. Ben try to do that again, huh? Anybody? (laughs) Yes, that was dynamite. Hey, how's it going? 
You know what? That's a great question. I think you should ask your dad on the way home from church today. How about, let's have a seat here. I got to tell you guys a story. Can I tell you guys a story? Okay. So um, some of you guys know that I'm married, right? Does anybody, oh, hi. How's it going? And this is one of my children. Um, does anybody know what my wife's name is? Don't say anything, Dahlia. Does anybody know who I'm married to? Miss Laura. Yes, that is correct. Miss Laura. So Laura and I, we have three girls, and one day we were driving home in our minivan. Now, our minivan, I know, I know, it is a sweet minivan, guys. It is a hot ride. So we're driving home in our minivan, and uh, the, the unfortunate thing is, do you guys know what a CD player is? You know where you put the CDs in the car? Well, thank you. Appreciate that. <clears throat> They're androgynous. They can go both ways. So, um, so the CD player actually, don't ever do this in your car because this is not what they're for, but it actually accepts pennies as well as CDs. So the CD player in our car wasn't working. Now, the unfortunate part about this was we loved to sing together as a family. We loved to listen to music together. And there was this one CD that we were listening to constantly and it had this one song on it called Cinderella. Now, before I go any further in this story, I will tell you, do any of you guys know that I like to fish? Yep, yep, yep. a couple of you do. I love... I, I love to fish. Oh, gosh, that's great. That's awesome. So I love to fish. So one day I was telling Miss Laura about fishing, and I was telling her all about the intricacies of how to catch walleyes on pool two, which I know is a really, really interesting thing. And I was telling her how to use the jigs and where to cast them and what happens when they get stuck on the rocks and how to get them off the rocks. And I was telling her all these things, and she just had this glazed look on her face, like she had no idea what I was talking about. I know. Isn't that hard to believe? But then, here's what happened. Here's what happened. We were listening to the radio, and onto the radio comes this song. It's called Cinderella. And this song is about a little girl who grows up and a dad who loves his daughter very, very, very much. And we used to sing this song all the time because it was on the CD that's now stuck in our CD player. But we can't hear it anymore. And so when this song came on, Hadley was in the back seat. And she just starts singing this song, singing the song about dancing and Cinderella and this dad who... Uh, Loved his daughter so much. And the daughter came home with a ring one day, and she had found a boyfriend and all this stuff. And I'm telling you, I was in the front seat of the car, and Laura grabs my knee, and the two of us, we just start crying and crying and crying. I can't sing anymore because I'm crying so hard because this song just like, oh, do you want to know why? Because I realized in that moment a very important word, and the word is perspective. The things that I was talking about, fishing and pool two and walleyes and all these things, they didn't really matter. What mattered was people and the relationships that we have with each other and the love that we can share with one another. And so I learned in that moment a very important lesson that perspective and how we view things and important things matter. So here's what I want you guys to do for me, if you would. Over here on this table... There are some markers and crayons. Not yet. When I say go, there's some markers and crayons and paper. And I want you to take some of those back to your tables, and I want you to answer a question for me. And the question is this. If you... Let me, let me ask the question. Hang on. Shh. Oh, okay. Thank you. 
if you couldn't spend any money at all for Christmas, if you couldn't spend any money, you, your, your parents couldn't spend any money for Christmas, what would you give the people that you loved? Okay, so if you couldn't spend any money, what would you give the people that you loved? So I want you to grab some pens and some papers and some markers and take those back to your tables. And I want to have a little chat with your parents about this question. And you guys, here's the important part. You have to write some things, and then at the end, I'm going to ask you about what you wrote, okay? So let's get some crayons and some markers. There's plenty here so we can share. All right, everybody get some paper. There we go. Love it. These, pen, these markers are pretty cool. Thank you. Perfect, perfect, perfect. We've got a uh, technical timeout here. Has everybody got what they need? Okay, friends. Um, in case you didn't know, this is Everybody Sunday. And uh, once every seven or eight weeks or so, we have everybody together, including the kids, instead of uh, having them go to kids' community because we think it's valuable. And we think uh, they learn lessons about what it means to follow Jesus, and we learn lessons about what it means to follow Jesus. So if you would, grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 2. Briefly, I want to just talk, uh, uh, I want to highlight a couple of things from this story that I think are very, very important. And uh, as we move towards Advent, as we move towards Christmas, I should say, we're, we obviously are starting this uh, season called Advent. And if you didn't know, this is the four Sundays before Christmas, right after Thanksgiving. And um, I hope that as we go through this series together, that we'll gain a little bit of perspective, that or, or at least we'll be challenged to gain a little bit of perspective about what are, the, what are some of the things that we're uh, experiencing and participating in and valuing as we head towards Christmas. Um, and for some of you that have been around a little bit, you've been around Solstice maybe for, uh, we've done this Advent Conspiracy a couple of times, and uh, we thought about doing something different, but then we said, no, this is too important. And so it may be review, but I'm hoping that uh, as we go through this, there's something fresh and new for you as well. Uh, there's a, a movie called... What would Jesus buy? And if you're into mockumentaries, this is an interesting one to get. It's actually pretty funny, but there's this one particular scene in this mockumentary. What would Jesus buy? And it, do you guys remember the PS2, the video game, when the PS2 came out? It was kind of like when the iPhones come out, like there's lines all the way around the corner, and people would line up to get these things. And in this particular movie, there's this one scene where uh, this guy is, is in line to get a PS2, and actually a, a fight breaks out, and he is wounded, and I won't go into too many details because of our audience here this morning, but if you, if you follow what I'm saying, the guy is wounded pretty seriously, and he's lying on the ground, and this news reporter tells this story, and he reaches for his wallet, and he asks somebody in line, will you please go buy me a PS2? <laughs> right? The guy is wounded, um, very wounded. Uh, <laughs> And he, he reaches for his wallet and he says, will you please go get this? Uh, which highlights a very sick fact that, um, that remains in our culture that I want to spend some time exploring this morning. A few facts. 60% of Americans are in long-term credit card debt. 60%. Uh, we spend less than one hour a week in religious activity on average and over five hours a week shopping. Um, 
Three-fourths, according to studies, three-fourths, 75% of Americans um, look at Christmas with more dread than they do anticipation. So they dread it more than they're actually excited for it. Um, we, we will spend, on average, or, or according to the studies, a half a trillion dollars on Christmas this year. That's $500 billion. Is that right, mathematicians? That's a lot of money, either way you slice it or dice it. Um, they say that $50 billion could solve water, the water issues in the world. So half a trillion dollars we'll spend on Christmas this year. Uh, don't, or, or creating millions of tons of trash uh, in the process. And on average, they say that uh, consumers have up to almost six unused gift cards in their wallets from last year's Christmas. <laughs> By show of hands, how many of you have an unused gift card in your wallet right now? Just, just out of curiosity. All right, all right. So... Here's the thing. I think Christmas, and, and I don't think we have to go too far to say this, I think Christmas in some ways has been hijacked. Uh, uh, it's been taken hostage by uh, an empire, uh, consumerism, materialism, individualism, uh, amassing things, call it whatever you'd like, but Advent is a season of anticipation. It's a season that we look forward to Christmas. And um, this morning what I want to do is look briefly at, at Matthew 2 and, and the story surrounding Jesus' birth, and I want to ask some hard questions about kingdoms and empires. And I want to look at two different characters in the story, one being Herod and the other being the Magi. So if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 2. And uh, before we read the text, there's a couple things you should know about Herod. Herod was a guy uh, in this particular story. He was um, the first king of the Herodian dynasty, which is 37 AD, right after Jesus' death, until about 70 AD. Anyone remember what happens in 70 AD? What? The temple's destroyed by the Romans, the same ones that were occupying Jerusalem when Jesus was around. So the temple's destroyed. Um, Herod was an Edomite. He was uh, from the descendant of Esau. So he wasn't Jewish by birth, and he certainly wasn't Jewish by action, as we'll see in this story. He was known as Herod the Great because of a lot of the big things that he built, the architectural feats that he, uh, he actually amassed. So um, his most famous one was enlarging the second temple. Uh, if you're familiar with any, any of the history of, of Israel. This guy constantly brokered deals with Rome, and really anything that moved, he would, he would broker deals with them in order to expand his, his influence and his kingdom and his power. Um, most importantly for Matthew, he was known by his friends and those around him as the king of the Jews. He was asked to be called, so his subjects were, were forced to call him the king of the Jews. And Matthew, I think like many other biblical authors, paints Herod not only as a historical figure, but one who epitomizes a symbol, or he's a symbol of something. We get this with Pharaoh in the Old Testament. We get it with Egypt as the, the, the narrow place where God can't be worshipped. So Pharaoh and Egypt and Herod and other things in the scriptures are not only historical things, but they're actually symbols of something greater. And in this particular case, Herod was a symbol of ma amassing wealth and power and empire and kingdom. So this is the context in which we read Matthew chapter 2. So here's, here's where we jump in. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. King Herod heard this. He was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's, all the people's chief priests and the teachers of law and asked them where the Christ was, 
to be born in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. So if you could imagine a king who is just bent on power and empire and kingdom and, and, and amassing his own stuff, and this is written about this Jesus, you can understand why he was a little disturbed and distraught. He actually went as far as to kill his own family members, uh, wife and children at times, to, to continue his own power and empire. The guy was crazy. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw that the child was with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, incense, and of myrrh, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod and return to their country by another route. I want to make two quick observations about the text this morning. One about Herod, one about the Magi. Both have to do with empire and kingdom. And I would contend this morning that kingdoms require a response. Whether they be kingdoms or empires of the past, systems of the past, or systems and kings and empires of the, of the present, they require a response. I think the kingdoms of this world require allegiance and they cost us everything. If you think about Herod, not only as a historical figure, but as a person who epitomized something, it was this idea of amassing wealth and power and empire and, and stuff for the benefit of self. Herod went to great lengths. He did anything and everything. He would broker deals with anything that moved if it meant that he could further his power. And so his empire, what he stood for, was something of power and of wealth and of money and amassing stuff at the expense of others. Luther says sin is the heart turned in on itself. So the great theologian Luther, he says that sin is actually the heart turned in on itself. And this is really, if you think about it, what happens to Herod. It's what happens to Adam and Eve in the garden. And as we approach Christmas, I want to challenge you this morning and offer that I think this is something that happens to us as well. If we're not careful, if, we're not, if we don't have open eyes and we're not awake to what's going on in our culture. Now, here's, here's the thing. I don't want to be a doom and gloom kind of guy and say that you know, we should separate ourselves and not participate in anything of Christmas. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am challenging you to think about is, what are you participating in? By purchasing things and giving them to other people, is that a benign action? Is that something that doesn't, doesn't carry with it any, any consequence or significance? No, I think it does. And I want to challenge you this Christmas to think about what are the kingdoms, what are the systems, what are the, the ideologies that we're participating in and are they of Jesus? Herod represents one particular system. The Magi, on the other hand, represent another kind of system and king. Look at how they respond. In verse 8, it says they're filled with joy when they hear this about this kingdom and about this, this king. Uh, they're like the guy who sells everything uh, to, uh, to the pearl of great prices, Jesus tells the story. Have you guys ever been around a junior hire before? Any junior hires in the room? Anybody have junior hires? Anybody been with junior hires before? I remember this one particular instance with a junior hire who was being baptized. It was a couple of summers ago. They were out in the lake. And junior hires oftentimes have um, 
uh, well, let's just say a lack of inhibition, right? Um, and this particular junior hire is being baptized, and the pastor guy, he's nice and, and only wet from here down. He's wearing a nice shirt, and everybody knows, um, you know, if he wanted to get wet, he would, but he's not. So the, the junior hire gets baptized, and, the, and you dunk him, you know, and the buried with Christ for baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And the kid comes up and he's just elated. He cannot hold back. And what does he do? He just bear hugs the pastor guy who's now just totally drenched in water. He's just filled, overjoyed with what has just happened to the degree that he doesn't care about any of the social things that are going on or uh, you know, any of the desires of the people that he might be hugging. He's just filled with joy. I think these... What, whether this actually happened or not, Matthew wants us to know these guys were filled with joy and they fell to their knees in worship. When they see Jesus, when they see this baby, their response is worship. They, they give treasures to the king. We could do a whole long deal on the actual gifts that they gave and the significance of them, but for today we won't. And lastly, most importantly, they ignore Herod. What does Herod ask them to do? He says, come back so that I can worship the king. Of course, it's a trick. It's a ploy. And he wants to kill Jesus. But these guys ignore. They resist the invitation of the empire. And they do something else. They don't follow through with what Herod's asking them to do. But rather, they, they make a different choice. They take a different route. And they go back a different way. Bottom line here, friends. Christmas is a time, and Advent, as we move towards Christmas, is a time when you're going to be confronted with choices. Lots of choices. There's a story in this movie of a, of a wife who, they have a split screen, and she's on one side and her husband's on the other, and she tells the stories of how all these credit cards have come to their home, and, and she's actually securing the credit card statements before her husband gets home, and it switches to him, and he's like, yeah, actually, we're debt-free. We don't have any credit cards. He has no idea and she's maxed out multiple credit cards. And here's the quote that she says. She says, my kids are going to have these things because I never had them and because I love them that much. And of course, we all recognize how twisted that is and how, how far from the point that actually is, that we would believe that in order for our kids to be happy or in order for me to be happy, I have to have this thing or I have to buy this thing for them. One author says uh, he used to be an ad executive for Porsche. Now he's a pastor. That's an ironic bit. But in this book, he says, my job at Porsche was to convince consumers of a need they did not have. Businesses are paying millions and millions and millions of dollars to convince you of a need that you do not have this Christmas. And I want to offer a challenge that the people of God should be, and I pray that we will be, different in the world. And so I want to offer this challenge to you this Christmas. And kids, this, kids, if you guys are drawing right now, if you've drawn some things, some different things about what would you give if you couldn't spend any money, I want you to chime in here in just a second. But the challenge is this, parents and friends. How can we approach Christmas in a different way this, Christmas, or this season? Where we don't fall into maybe the habits that we've had in the past where we express love and gratitude by buying things and, and purchasing more stuff. But what if we were creative? What if we thought creatively about the ways in which we express love 
during Christmas. Now, I recognize that you all have families, and actually, uh, one family came back to me and said, we really wanted to do this, and we said to our, our parents, like, would you please do this with our kids and not buy them things? And their parents were like, no, we're grandparents, and we're going to spoil them. And it was just this, you know, crushing blow to them because they really wanted to try. So I recognize this isn't easy, and it's a little difficult sometimes, but I want to just challenge you to at least take one click, one step in this direction to say, what if we were creative about the things that we gave? And instead of purchasing things, instead of buying things, what if we gave time, or what if we gave things that we made, or what if we did something creative and then redirected the money that we were going to spend on something that was actually of value, that would last that was for someone else. So here's our plan. Uh, on Christmas Eve, we're going to take an offering, and hopefully um, some of the things that you have saved money on by being creative, uh, we're going to take an offering, and we're going to put that towards something that would be of, of value in, into the future. And because of our connection with one thing and with hunger, um, our commitment is that it will be to hunger and commit or related to hunger. The details of that are yet to be worked out. We're still working that out as a team. But uh, that's what our plan is on Christmas Eve. So, kids, here's what I want you to do. Stay where you are, but if there's anybody who was drawing or writing and you had some ideas, if you couldn't spend any money, what would you give to the people that you love? Did anybody have any ideas, any of the kids that wrote some things down? Lydia, how about over there? Say it real loud, honey. Make something for your mom. That's a great idea, Lydia. What else? Yeah, up, up here. Okay, we could make a card for somebody. Absolutely. What other creative ideas did we come up with? What did you have, Jude? Give a fish to them? Oh, give, absolutely. You could draw something or make a piece of art and give it to them. That, that, who, who, whoever... Whoever gets that is going to be one lucky Christmas friend. Any other ideas? What? I love it. It's beautiful. So you could make something. Lots of different creative ideas. I love it. Very good stuff. Friends, adults in the room. Maybe we could take some cues from the young ones among us, eh? Here's what I'd like to do if we could. Uh, I'm going to invite Ben and the worship team back up, and we're going um, to close our morning by taking communion together. And I'll preface this. Um, young ones among us, when we decided to do the Everybody Sunday, we really wanted to make sure that, um, that our kids got to take communion with us for, for those that are able and uh, <clears throat> who are ready to do that. And we, obviously that's a, a family choice that you guys make. But we wanted to do this uh, because it communicates something about what community is. Community um, doesn't have everybody be quiet and sit, you know, patiently and still all the time. Community is about relationships, and it's about family, and it's about being together, uh, and it's about accommodating one another, and it's about letting go of our own personal desires and, uh, and, and living for the other, sometimes even at the expense of ourself. And so... Uh, we're going to be taking communion at tables this morning. I recognize that this has the potential to be awkward uh, because you might be sitting with somebody that you don't know or you might be sitting near someone you don't know or you may have never taken communion this way. But for us at Awaken, communion, the essence of communion is about relationship. 
this is what Paul gets so upset about in 1 Corinthians. That they were doing this in a way that, that defiled community and relationship. And so, as we gather, um, if you're stuck with something to say, um, you don't need to say anything. But if you wanted to, some of the things that we say uh, around communion are, this is the body, of, uh, the body of blood broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. So as you serve one another communion, if you wanted to say something to the other, feel free to do that. And uh, Ben, why don't, um, why don't, Ben's just going to play quietly for a bit here. And uh, I'm going to pray, and then I want to invite you to uh, take communion together. We'll take the bread and just dip it in the cup, and every table's got grape juice. There's gluten-free here and here in this corner. So if that's you, um, you can pay attention to that. So pray with me if you would, and uh, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. God, we want to thank you for this morning, for family, um, for kids, for this community that you have called together and uh, done something special because of your death and resurrection and now your spirit which lives in us. And so God, as we come around this table, um, I pray that you would be present in a way that we recognize, that we have eyes to see. Uh, we know that you are God. So I guess my prayer is open our eyes. Uh, help us to see you for who you are. Thank you for the way that you are um, personally present to us. And uh, we celebrate and we remember the sacrifice of your son as we look towards Christmas. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community. We want to fiddle and we can community. See you next time.